Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we wrap up with three films, which we feel encompass the concept of how awkward but rewarding threesomes can be, with As Good As It Gets, The Station Agent, and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Now, I know we get a little personal on Trilogy in Theory sometimes, and I think those are my favorite episodes. And unfortunately... (laughs) I can tell you, with full honesty, that I've never been part of a sexual threesome or an emotional threesome, I guess. Uh, my my relationships have always been <laughs> binary. Now, I, I do have, uh, like, a circle of friends where I'm like, oh, okay, these two are, like, I would consider, like, my best friends or whatever. But, yeah, it's never gotten to the point where... I can personally relate, I think, to some of the things that are happening in our movies, but they are not without merit. Did you find any one of the groupings in these three films uh, more or less compelling? Like, which of these three mm. did you feel, uh, uh, I guess, almost almost benefited all the parties equally? Is there okay, one? Okay, so you're... Your first question is setting me up just to be a pervert, which I will gladly <laughs> wear that that hat and say that the most compelling is obviously Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, Penelope Cruz, Javier Bardem. You know, it's it's not quite it's an ever evolving, I guess, threesome uh, or yes. you know, a pair of friendships, depending on. Uh, but as we talked about in that episode, there is a uh, both, I guess, fortunate and unfortunate restraint from Woody Allen in that. Uh, it is decidedly not the most <laughs> titillating movie about a threesome, but I think that's probably fair for our, our trilogy as a whole. So it's hard to play, you know, Mr. Pervert this month with our, our version of a threesome. Well, actually, let me go even a step beyond uh, the, the basic pervert. I'm glad you're not going with, actually, the station agent is highly erotic, because I'm like, no, <laughs> well, please, <laughs> Stop. Just one step beyond just the regular pervert uh, from Vicky Cristina Barcelona, we never get into a foursome. That never happened. I mm. I just thought about this when I was thinking about the wrap up. Whereas like we've got four parties, but they always kind of deal with uh, any number of threes. Like we never mm-hmm. get to uh, all four. But do you think that was a missed opportunity where all four individuals don't get into? Uh, some kind of a sexual or emotional rumble. Yet again, as a pervert, yes, it's obviously <laughs> a blown layup. Uh, I think it works better for the film that you always have an outside observer to the shenanigans. Sometimes I think uh, the character of Doug, which is Rebecca Hall's fiance, is like the blowhard version of that. Like, whoa, like you people are crazy. Like that sort of thing. Like he's just playing ultimate fuddy duddy. Uh, which allows Rebecca Hall to maybe uh, explore the character a little bit more than the way she's introduced, which is, um, you know, she's the worst uh, improv uh, participant. You know, she does not do the uh, yes and uh, when <laughs> off here, Bardem, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say confronts, but uh, begins his flirtations. Uh, she has many no's uh, and not a single yes. As far as like the the threesome, you're, you're talking about applying to your life, which I, I take a little bit of issue with. Uh, I think you're fudging the continuity. It, uh, you have never been involved in a threesome that I'm aware of, and so you say on this episode. Uh, hello, <laughs> uh, Webb's wife. <laughs> <that's listening. laughs> but you have been the other man. You think that's a decidedly different thing? It's being a participant, but not realizing you're a participant in a love triangle. 
Oh, that's right. Oh, my goodness. You know my <laughs> history better than I do. You're right. I was not a... <laughs> Boy, when I think threesome, I really go to one very <laughs> literal version of it. But you're right. As we discussed before, I was the unwitting party. Literally a few episodes ago. What I consider to be like my first true like infatuation that felt genuine, uh, I it ended horribly because the twist ending was that the entire ordeal that I had been through, which lasted... I want to say the better part of a year, turns out that I was the other guy enjoying OPP and I was like, oh, and I, I had no idea. And that was, and that's how it kind of ended. It ended with an angry phone call from this other dude who was enlightening me and, and threatening mm. me. And because I was in another city at the time, I got real rough too. I was like, yeah, you try it. But I was secretly, I was like, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> I have stated on record, and I think I always will, that yes, I'm glad that that event occurred and I was a part of that because it helped me grow as an individual and made my eyes uh, more open to my surroundings. I was very naive to how the opposite sex functions and how other people function and the I'm way. This. You're the Jack Nicholson this month. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if I hadn't gone through that, I, I would not certainly have – I don't think I would be as emotionally or sexually wise as I am now for what that's worth. And, and again, all experience ultimately is good experience as long as it gets you to uh, where you want to go. So well done. Yes, you're right. I was a part of that. Boy, it was rough. Um, I don't know if I ended the story, but the, the, just the, the kind of the final – Incident that occurred was the, uh, an awkward phone call in the morning by the, I guess, the, the other person, the other guy that I was. <laughs> the wronged individual. The wronged, the wronged individual, right. But I mean, in a way, I was the wronged individual as well. <laughs> I, knew, Just from I a, knew it would take a split second for you, like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was wronged. <laughs> and I got a, uh, I, I guess, deserved haranguing in his eyes, but. Either way, uh, and it ended about as poorly as Scarlett Johansson's uh, Love Triangle did. So uh, you're right. You're very right. I'm glad that you mentioned that. So I do have some experience, I guess. Well done. Do you think that because you – no offense to you. You don't look like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a hard time I'm imagining – I'm offended. <laughs> well, I don't look like Rebecca Hall either. So, you know, fair is fair. Notice how when she ends the threesome, there's tears from the Penelope Cruz character, who I guess has found some stability in this particular dynamic that they've had. And Javier Bardem takes it on the chin because he's like, honey, honey, I've got Rebecca Hall on. I've got her contact information. I can just, I can just you know, <laughs> six men off the bench. We can just we can get this ball rolling again. Scarlett Johansson does not get uh, attacked for leaving or for causing this shift in the relationship i have to believe because she looks like scarlett johansson so she she would not get a phone call at 3 a.m like you son of a bitch look what you've done to us <laughs> i'm just saying if you were scarlett johansson on the, on the other end do you believe that wronged man would have taken that particular tact with you well while i can't say that he's a fool then <laughs> he <laughs> certainly would. he's a damn fool 
Play but a Costanza say, clip. I'm about to freak out. <laughs> if there's a man that exists on this planet, they would be upset with Scarlett Johansson for being involved with his lady friend. Obscene. Well, I can confirm that. I will say that I would not react the way Scarlett Johansson does. Her character is... She's flighty, but she's incredibly confident in the way that she lives her life. And Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz are just stops along her way. They're, they're just stops on her journey. And for me, while even in my mind, I kind of knew that uh, that individual who I was seeing at the time was somebody who is a stop along the way, in, in, in my heart, I was very torn because, you know, you always want to get to that destination. I knew that this person wasn't the one I was going to end up with, but I was emotionally devastated at the time when everything went to shit. And I wish I had the kind of confidence that Scarlett Johansson does in this film. That I, It was very impressive to me, and that's why the ending works so well is for her and for Rebecca Hall, really, even though Rebecca Hall is going through her ups and downs, she's kind of come to terms with what her life ultimately will look like you mentioned the uh emotional pain i feel like that goes more into our other two selections uh but with decidedly uh different tones i think in as good as it gets certainly the jack nicholson character that's this author who can write women so well but can read like no single individual <laughs> like at all <laughs> right when he actually has to interact with them that is played in broad strokes and then some regard, I think all of the pain and turmoil that he goes through, we can enjoy it because in some way we feel like uh, there's there's vindication here. You you deserve this, buddy. You deserve to not get Helen Hunt because you keep shoving your foot in your mouth for our amusement and our enjoyment. Uh, thankfully, James L. Brooks has a heart, uh, unlike us in the audience, and he does resolve things. Um, but the far more realistic version of going through that, that particular pain of wanting to not necessarily like being someone that wants to be completely isolated, but doesn't really want to invite too much into that, that trauma. I'm thinking particularly of Patricia Clarkson, the station agent. Uh, she does not read as a shut in, but there, there are certainly barriers where she only wants to be known as, <laughs> I don't know, the lady that almost runs over Peter Dinklage twice. Like she's fine with being known as clumsy and <laughs> possibly uh, charged with vehicular homicide. But don't go any further into my, my personal life. Uh, have you ever found yourself in moments like that where you maybe coming across a, a 3 a.m. phone call where you were, you were attacked for just being cock of the walk uh, for that <laughs> that sexual machismo that no one can resist. Have you uh, shut yourself off during periods of your life where it's like, not only do I not want uh, three people in my life, I don't want a threesome. I don't want anyone. I just want to be by myself, alone with my thoughts. Oh, sure. I think that whenever you have a negative experience with any one particular person, like I've had times in my life where whether I was unfulfilled on like an, on an academic level, there was a lot of pressure from uh, my family to excel in the medical field, for example, or even like IT or anything that like was pushed upon me and I couldn't deliver, but maybe not out of ability, but just out of the desire. If If you are forced to do anything, ultimately, I think it's it's never really going... The results are not going to be um, what you would hope. 
And so I remember there were times like I did that thing where you pack up what you want and you run away. That that classic like 12-year-old mentality, I'm going to run away and live life as a hobo. Like I had those moments and I had them way later in life that put me like really shame me. Like I can't believe I was thinking I was like 20 something. I was like, I'm going to run away. That's not really run away. It's <laughs> not running away when you're in your 20s. That's just moving out. And um, ultimately that didn't work out either. Um, uh, I've had friendships uh, in which, boy, like I didn't want to deal with anybody because they ended so poorly because I thought this one individual uh, meant more to me or uh, I meant more to this person and it wasn't seen that way. And we had that come to Jesus moment and the, the blow up and just completely wanted to close myself off. I don't think I've had anything so traumatic in my life that any of those feelings stuck. As much as in, as introverted as I am, I'm still human, and the human beings are a social creature. They just are. And I know you're kind of that same way, too. You were very much pleased, I think, uh, during the pandemic when you got a chance to create your own fun and and, and the shelter. And, and while I enjoyed that, too, I, because I have a job, that because I'm a, uh, a considered a, an essential employee, I still had to go to work. I could not work from home. Uh, but looking back on it... contributed to it, because I think both of us... Never, we never, neither one of us had the true bubble effect that some people did as far as working from home. And so I love that traffic was light. Uh, I'm not saying that I loved the <laughs> the death and despair at all. No, certainly. I'm just, I'm just saying that maybe one lesson we could take from the pandemic is we just have one month where the, everything shuts down. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> just a reset for everyone. But yes, the poor essential workers uh, like ourselves, that's not possible really. But even in, during that time, you know, we continued to record, and that was a great source of pleasure for the both of us. And any time that Dave would wake up on time and join us, we had our own mm. little threesome, and it was mm-hmm. great. And so, Ugh, uh, I thought it was horrific. <laughs> like, get, <laughs> I was definitely Rebecca Hall there. Like, no, sir, this Dave thing—it's messing with the vibe. The sexual chemistry is off. His bullshit, his baggage he brings. Not at all. And never again. It didn't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's Scarlett Johansson in that scenario, and I'm Harvey Burnham trying to keep it all together. <laughs> Certainly. People take that I, as a compliment, sir. I think so. I, I. What about yourself? Like, have you ever had any issue uh, with any one particular person or people where you've wanted to just completely close yourself off? Uh, I have to check myself sometimes because I... Um, I mean, I think certainly as a young man, you have probably m- more anger issues, just especially as an adolescent where you just get, you just <laughs> blow up or <laughs> web in his 20s, <laughs> picking up his, his stick and his, <laughs> his bag of clothes and hanging it on one end and hitting the train tracks, that sort <laughs> of thing. You know, I also, like for that, that stick in the bag of clothes, I had a little Criterion bag, like the official <laughs> of one, you did. <laughs> and in it I put in the Kurosawa films that I really love. I figured if I'm going to be on the road, I might as well have. <laughs> I love this this image of twenty uh, something Web who is like, I- I'm going to end up in a small town where no one knows me, but I've got my Criterion collections <laughs> wherever <laughs> I go. <laughs> I need a nice home theater set up. Uh, what where I have to check myself now is I, I'm not. I don't tend to have those. Uh, particular blow-ups anymore. I don't know if that's laziness, just being old, where you're just too tired to to have 
such strong uh, emotional reactions, uh, probably because you've experienced <laughs> too much daily bullshit that nothing really is surprising or that enthralling anymore. <clears throat> I tend to go the other way now, which is probably uh, equally not as healthy where I can just, I can just dismiss something entirely like, well, don't need that anymore and never like, don't think about it. Don't like, so if you're talking about a human relationship, that can be pretty dangerous. If you're just like, uh, this is frustrating, causing me aggravation. How about I just never speak to that person? <laughs> <laughs> I've had those too, though. And you're right. You're absolutely right. When you are young, those things bother you a lot. Mm -hmm. And you absolutely have a penchant for theatrics. Mm -hmm. And I've had individuals in my life where uh, I've, I've gotten uh, poor phone calls or angry blubs. And I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to deal with it. Recently, somebody texted me. And I hadn't spoken to them in like three, four years. And they were just like, hey, what's going on? I haven't spoken to you in a while. And I was just like, I don't want to start this up. Like, I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have time or room in my life for another text conversation that I'm constantly thinking about. Oh, what should I say to this Like, I appreciate that this person reached out to me, but I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I just don't have time in my life to devote any mental or physical energy into having you back in my life for whatever reason. And I didn't even you know what I tell people, Web. <clears throat> I've got a podcast. If you just need me around, you can just listen to me on your commute. There's there's <laughs> thousands of hours. If you just feel like I wonder what Mike's thinking right now. Probably about a movie, you know, talking with his buddy Webb. There you go. There's a there's exactly. a back catalog for your enjoyment. So wait we are sounding like are we sounding more like Jack Nicholson and as good as it gets or Peter Dinklage in the station agent? And is one healthier than the other? No, I think both of them are unhealthy. They're kind of on the same spectrum, but just in different locations, but not too far off. I think they're both being unhealthy at the beginning of both films. And that's one thing that I do like about The Station Agent and As Good As It Gets, where this threesome that they create, it takes a little while for it to form, but by the third act, it's it's solid to the point where it's like these two individuals, these two characters are on their way to a much healthier and happier future. And in As Good As It Gets, while we'd like to think, okay, like, ugh, and I hate doing this, I hate extrapolating uh, the happy ending, but realistically, the relationship between Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt is it realistically not going to last? You want it to last, but it, it the movie ends at just the right moment and you're hopeful. I think the outlier in our trilogy this month is The Station Agent, where you leave on a great moment with the three of them enjoying each other's company, and I could see that continuing for the rest of their lives. I really could. I feel like it's it's such a definitive and they found it. They cracked the code. The other two films, while they did, and and I think Greg Kinnear's character is in a much better place. He's evolved. Jack Nicholson has, and to some extent Helen Hunt has. I don't think she had very far to go. She was wonderful throughout. But I feel like the most positive change occurs in the station agent, and I feel like that's the one that's most lasting. Vicky, Christina, Barcelona, we're already kind of on skid row by the end, and that's okay. On to the next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring on the new hotness. <laughs> Javier Bardem's going to find it. Uh, I think the ask of the station agent is, I don't want to say it's less than what Melvin and Carol are going through and as good as it gets. 
actually there, I would say the successful threesome, if you will, is between Jack Nicholson, Greg Kinnear, and the dog. I feel like that's that's probably what has had a greater change on the Melvin character played by Nicholson as far as, you know, he went from, I mean, he's still, <laughs> he's still homophobic, I guess, in a sweeter way. Uh, he has a great line towards the end where, you know, I, I was much like his character, this, this whole road trip, which brings our threesome in that film together, where Greg Kinnear is going to ask his parents for money because he's been assaulted and he's losing his apartment and yada, 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 that, when he decides not to ask his parents for money because they can't accept him for who he is, uh, Nicholson has a like, well, that's great. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a waste of time. But his his grand gesture that in some ways may be the sweetest in the film is he has set up this co-parenting dynamic with him where they can both share the dog. They can live together and Greg Kinnear, when he realizes that he's put his things is like set up a place for him to paint in Nicholson's home. Uh, says, uh, I love you. And <laughs> Nicholson has this, like, bite his tongue moment where it's almost eye rolling, where he's like, buddy, if, if that did it for me, I'd be the luckiest guy in the world. <laughs> and I've always loved that. Like, that's as close as he's going to come to even entertaining the notion that he could love this, this man. Um, I think in the station agent, there's no speechifying like that, really. The, the ask is, can we just share a space together? Like, we don't have to be so embroiled in uh, each other's pain or traumas. Poor, um, you know, Bobby Cannavale's uh, father. It's not like yeah, by the end of it, the Peter Dinklage, uh, his character, Finn, is asking him, you know, so what's what's up with your dad? How's he doing? That sort of thing. I I feel like the station agent is, if I had to guess, like the web movie of choice for uh this trilogy just based on your text message a very nice text message you got from someone saying like hey man what are you up to i'd like to reconnect and you're like oh why are you in my business can we just sit here quietly <laughs> boy i it's so hard because okay for, while i love vicky christina barcelona there is an emotional disconnect between myself and that film even though i love so much about it is there too many hot people and also <laughs> too many rich people and their problems? Like, hmm. It's like the great Kevin Smith thing about Ben Affleck, uh, where he's making fun of him on that Dinner for Five conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. Kevin Smith's impression of Ben Affleck is him waking up like, hmm, who am I going to fuck today? That's very much like Javier Bardem's character. Like, <laughs> which lovely lady am I going to invite into my relationship with Penelope Cruz? Uh, right. I just need a little added spice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, yeah, and, and that, you know, it, it might also be sour grapes that I can't have that. <laughs> it certainly might be that. Between As Good As It Gets and The Station Agent, it is a it, – it's tough to decide between those two. You're right. I think I probably connect more to what's happening in The Station Agent um, on an emotional level and on a personal level. But there's something whimsical about As Good As It Gets that it really – gets me every time but yes i think you hit the nail on the head the station agent probably comes ahead just a tad even though boy it's it's like um what's the opposite of picking your poison like it's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches here that we have with our three films and especially the first two certainly vicky christina barcelona 
with the cast, the great looking cast, with the fact that it's you know two beautiful women uh, on a summer holiday in Spain uh, when they are approached to have sex with Bardem and Cruz, power couple. Yes, there's some obvious distance there where it's like, boy, that is a that's a sexy poster, even though the poster is really not that sexy. But you, you get what I'm saying. It's a sexy concept uh, for a, like a, a movie, a night out. I think the the station agent is on the other end is trying to it's presenting a particular situation with uh Peter Dinklage and his perspective on the world and how people interact with him because of his height. Uh but other than that for the most part it is a just very grounded for you know all the other characters you probably know someone like Patricia Clarkson who's gone through uh that type of loss or uh Joe and the the food truck someone who's overbearing but sweet i think as good as it gets as a movie fits that notion of overbearing but sweet because every character yeah. is loud and abrasive it is it very much only exists in a movie world like you, you know you do not run into characters with the broad strokes of melvin carol or simon presumably even simon having cuba gooding jr as a friend who can attack and scold Jack Nicholson in the hallway, like everything is, is big and loud. But I think in some regard, I take more comfort in something like as it goes, it gets because it fits into the movie world, a movie version of yeah problems. The station agent is going to strike a nerve, I think more uh, than something like as good as it gets, because when you have a main character who is, you know, racist, homophobic, and sexist. I doubt many people are going to be like, "Hey, that's just like me and my buddies." Like, I understand <laughs> this. Kind of like, I think the movie is putting up a flag saying you do not want to be him. Where something like the station agent, you may see yourself, as you said, you you compared yourself to to defend me to Joe and that. Which now I'm wondering. I'm like, good lord, do I text Web too much? Am I like no? <laughs> not enough. Not enough, Mike. If anything, I don't think so because I, I usually wake up to. Uh, overnight text from you about some audio commentary track you've discovered. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and at the same time, it, it's it's completely a uh, movie magic to have uh, Harold Ramis show up as a doctor and take care of your kid at no expense to you. Stuff like that. That just it warms your heart. It's it's like that series, the Chicken Soup for the Soul. It's like you know you're not really gonna get it in real life, and and only in the movies uh, will it really happen in its most uh, fullest form. Uh, three exceptional films, really. Good trilogy. Oh yeah. Good oh excellent. Us. More threesomes on trilogy and theory. That's. But no Dave. <laughs> Dave will not be part of that equation. She throw you out, huh? No, actually, she took it pretty well. <laughs> so what happened? 
She's into it. <laughs> into what? The menage. And not only that, she just called me. She told me she spoke with the roommate, and the roommate's into the menage, too. <laughs> That's unbelievable! Oh, it's a scene, man. just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia. What are you talking about? I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it? What do you mean you're not going to do it? I can't. I'm not an orgy guy. Are you crazy? This is like discovering plutonium by accident. Don't you know what it means to become an orgy guy? It changes everything. I have to dress different. I have to act different. I have to grow a mustache and get all kinds of robes and lotions. And I need a new bedspread, new curtains. I'd have to get thick carpeting and weirdo lighting. Of course, I'd have to get new friends. I'd have to get orgy friends. No, I'm not ready for it. 